small catechism, the Ten Commandments, the First Commandment, you shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Lutheran Service Book 597 Water, Blood, and Spirit Crying Verse 1 Water, Blood, and Spirit Crying By their witness testifying To the one whose death-defying life has come With life for all I'm sad shouldn't be at this point. There's very little reason considering the past couple weeks that I've had. I've had the ability to return to my home, see old friends, and discuss with them the things that matter most, and spend time simply being old friends as well. I've had an opportunity to take some time off from work to explore the great outdoors of which I see so little and find new places and learn new things about the world around me. And I've had the opportunity to attend a conference for an entire week, one where not only were the people those who share my faith, but also the activities were focused around those things that I value most in this life. And, well, the life to come. But I'm sad. I can't help it. Perhaps it's the weight of unwinding from such an unbelievable and fantastic series of events. So, in order to help unwind, I, I think I'll take some time then today to talk about that last point, the one that most affected me, that most influenced my past few days and most influences my current thoughts. Perhaps there you will find the symptom of this sudden sadness or at least enough closure to suffer whatever comes. I arrived in Mequon, Wisconsin Sunday afternoon. It was a very, very warm day, and I uh, had not dressed properly for the occasion. I had just gone to church down in Rockford, Illinois, with Pastor Jonathan Fisk preaching. But I arrived in Mequon, dressed for church, having just picked up the first of a number of people I'd be working with. We sat and talked 
and I had the opportunity to unload some of the ridiculous baggage ideas that I had. A process that I hope to use this podcast for in the future. There were a number of different things that we covered such that to list them all would be impossible given the uncontrolled nature of the conversation. But I remember feeling that I suddenly had someone who was at the very least willing to listen to the crazy stuff that I had to think about. And he also, to my great surprise and uh, significant happiness, had his own crazy ideas to share. A little later, I picked up a second one, and we went out and ate together. Eating together, I think, is underrated. And I can talk more on this later, but there's great power in eating with another person. I think it's one of the reasons why it is such a popular way of doing business because the one with whom you are eating is one whom you have agreed to trust to a certain extent. And that action of shared sustenance builds a bond that is more than just an interaction, more than just a conversation. It builds a community, a small but sure community. What this has to do with Lutheran theology on the Lord's Supper, I could touch on later. But I think that's an interesting point to explore, perhaps, later. So we ate. And we talked. And we went back to our respective rooms and slept. And the next day, we met others. Here begins the first of my great miseries. For I am not a man who has been blessed with easily interacting with people. Especially those with whom I have no common bond. I found most of the friendships I make are made around some common activity. I relied heavily upon the benefits of sports and classes to build my friend groups in the past. But as I'm now employed, I find that more difficult because the people I work with share neither my culture nor my interests nor my values in many aspects. And it makes it hard to try and build a friend group in this environment. But here, this past week, on Monday, I met people who had all three, who shared my culture and my interests and my values. And what a joy it was 
Now, granted, we took some time getting to understand one another, but there was, as we progressed, a distinct understanding that we all believed similar things about politics and culture. And given that this conference was surrounding doctrine and practice within the Lutheran Church, our volunteering of our time testified that we were in agreement on both of these things, that we understood the importance of Lutheran theology being Lutheran theology and that Lutheran liturgy be the practice by which that theology is passed to the people on a daily, on a weekly basis. I mean, we could talk about daily, you know, but that's a discussion for another time, and hopefully with one who is more versed than I. But we shared this understanding that the liturgy is the best way of giving the theology to the people. And why is that? Because the liturgy is the Bible. Because the liturgy is the words of Scripture, the Word of God, spoken to us, memorized by us. Not, not through some force of memorization as you did, as we all probably did with high school, Hamlet's soliloquy, to be or not to be, that is the question. Well, it's not really the question, but at the, que at the time it is his question. No, we didn't have to sit there and memorize that over and over, but we've learned it because we've done it and because it was designed to be learned. It was designed to be remembered. It was designed to be instinctual. I truly pray if I ever do receive the curse of Alzheimer's, of forgetfulness, that even in my moments of forgetfulness, I will not forget the liturgy because it is instinct to me. And I know from the people around me that week that they will be the same way, that they will share that instinctual understanding of Scripture as it is portrayed in the liturgy. We joined together to set things up, to get the conference together. We, we were volunteering as the grunts for the conference, the servants at the lowest end of the totem pole, or highest, depending how you understand it. We were the bottom rung of the ladder. We were the one that supported all the other functions and that made sure everyone else could do the jobs they were best suited for, they were hired for, or they were at the very least given at the time. We were there to do whatever needed to be done to ensure that everything worked smoothly. And in this work, we conversed and bonded. We found the 
different personalities within the group, the ways that each of us thought. It was interesting to me how quickly the, the subgroups created themselves. The quiet, thoughtful ones, the eager and outgoing ones, the discussion groups. That's perhaps a bad way of putting it. The, the ones who preferred uh, long form and more serious conversations versus the ones who preferred casual and friendly conversations. Not to say that we weren't all interested in these things, but that personal preferences created subgroups within all of us. It's, it's important to understand that those we share our values and our culture with are not necessarily going to be the same way as we are. They're not the same as us. They will certainly share what matters. There will be significant differences. If we would ever forget this, we would be in great danger because not understanding how those fellow Christians interact with us could lead us toward incredibly dangerous presumptions about communication and the, th the things that they intend, communication and intentions, which would only lead to division and strife where none need occur. Monday was a long and interesting day, but we tended to be rather efficient. Uh, and we all began to understand our context and purpose here. And as we prepared for the next day, I began to think on things that I may have be hopeful, uh, hopeful to have the opportunity of speaking on later regarding my understanding of my own position, of where I fit into this group, of the knowledge that I had that perhaps they didn't, of the thoughts that I had that I could share and, and the thoughts that they had that I could learn from, the wisdom of my peers and the lessons they had undergone the thoughts that they would have been able to engage and entertain, which my status in life could never do, and mine, which theirs could not either. This is a fundamental part of the way that I think, so far as I've been able to explore it, that... I presume quite a bit about people, but I try not to make any lasting judgments until I can understand whether those presumptions are correct or not. And it is for that reason that I seek to delve into why they are the people they are, to understand the experiences that have shaped them or the opinions 
that define them to know whether or not these presumptions are accurate. It's a dangerous position, I'll, I'll grant, and perhaps it is part of the reason that I am often incapable of building the kinds of uh, friendships that I see in so many people around me, but it has served me in what I have wanted to this point, whether that will continue or not, whether my desires going forward will be the same. We shall see. I shall see. I, I'm perfectly open to them being utterly wrong. It was actually the first name of this podcast was Titus is Wrong. Because I so often want to be. I so I, I often want to be proven wrong because I would rather know. Because there are so many things that I'm willing to entertain willing to think about, willing to consider and mess around with in my head. That I want to know, am I right or not? Am I, am I on the right track or not? And, and so often I feel that in my conversations I, I end up podcasting at people. I end up talking through them because they never give me that feedback. Those, those few people, those few glorious, wonderful people who have given me that feedback, especially those among the group I had last week. Thank you so much. I, I cannot thank them, thank, thank you if you're listening, enough for actually interacting with me in these frustratingly lonely speeches. As much as I enjoy them, I love nothing. No, I'm not going to say that. I truly appreciate when a conversation is two-sided because it means I have found a topic on which I am educated as well as the other person and not to the same level but in addition to the other person right we both have knowledge that we are willing to exchange or explore we are not whether we are looking in the same direction and expositing our different perspectives or looking against one another and expositing our differences. Those places are positions where I will find things I don't know, things I can be corrected on. And if I can be corrected on them, then, Lord willing, I will be corrected on them. Soon afterwards, uh, frankly, beginning on Tuesday, the conversations began in full force. Different times, different places, and different people. But I began to explore what people knew and what they would be interested in hearing. The different, some of the, some of the more straightforward and and well thought out things that I have been uh, engaging with in my mind, I tried to find a way to explore in these groups. I was curious to see who would be interested in these ideas and who would be uninterested. There was a game we played during the, during the, our time at the conference 
to explain its rules here would be, uh, frankly, a little much. But one of the aspects of the game that I that I very much enjoyed was that what I knew about a person and and the hand that they had, right, their position in the game, I could learn equally well from what they did and what they didn't do, from what they said and what they didn't say, from their interaction or lack of it, providing I understood their approach, their uh, expectations, the things that they were planning on doing within the game. Each person was different in their way of playing the game. But if I could if I could make a judgment on that based on what I knew of them, or based on the presumptions that I have previously mentioned, if I could try and understand what was underlying their philosophy of gaming, then I would be able to better understand why they made certain decisions. And I believe that it works the other way around. If I if I can bring up a, a, a topic of conversation or, or uh, engage in an activity with someone and see how they interact with me, if I already know the the hand that they're dealt, if I already know the thing that they're doing, what so what their intentions are, and their um, interaction with that, the what what. Uh, the word escapes me. I'm not going to cut this out because I, there has to be a way to improve. If, if I cut this out consistently, then I will give the impression that I know what I'm doing already, which I don't. So when I knew what a person was, was doing and I could see how they interacted with it, how they took to it or didn't, whether they were interested or disinterested, I could learn things about what motivated them. I could learn what they were interested in, what things they liked and disliked, mostly in the areas which I am already versed in. Unfortunately, there are things that I do not understand yet, where the smaller nuances of people's actions flies completely over my head. Key among these is the and not to say not to say that there were any but if there were i wouldn't have understood them the testings of men that are engaged in by the fairer sex um, there were a few moments I, I i felt that i began to understand it but i i ultimately do not understand that at all and it is a it will be a topic for another another day um, the fact that I am struggling with that so heavily and how that interacts with so much of my angfenktum, uh, to use the German word, my angst, the things that, that frustrate me beyond uh, a daily basis, that is perhaps chief among them. It's women and my inability to understand them or comprehend them, and yet total un 
wavering interest in doing so in, in time. Um, once again, that was very candid, and, and I probably would have cut that out, but for the sake of, one, finding a position for improvement, and two, developing a culture of honesty here, I will leave it in. Um, returning to the narrative, Tuesday was also the day where we got to for finally interact in some way. We got to help with actual attendees because everyone began to show up. This was check-in and registration. They were going to be there for the next three days, so there was much to prepare for, a lot of information to pass out. Things moved rather smoothly, and we began to work with an understanding that we were working for the same purpose. I think we, we developed com camaraderie more there than, than we had before because we actually saw the fruits of our actions and the distinction between ourselves and other roles within the organization of this conference. We weren't the attendees and we weren't the staff, we were the volunteers, and we began to understand what that meant. And it was at this time that we finally got the first great service. Higher Things is a Lutheran, I don't want to say youth, it is, it is intentionally a youth conference that is attended by hundreds, if not at this point thousands, I mean not a lot of thousands, but definitely thousands of middle school, high school age persons every year. Its focus is, uh, let's say, threefold. And in order of primacy, they are, one, to provide an environment where the liturgy is performed in all its beauty for the kids to understand that this is the focus of the Christian life. Two, teaching, so that these children may understand what different things within their doctrine mean. They have options uh, with many of these discussions to explore such wide-ranging things as the incarnation, the nature of American pop Christianity, if we can call it Christianity, the effects of social policy uh, on people around us and how we ought to approach that as Christians, and the nature of the gospel. These are available to them so that they may learn what it is that surrounds the, the services that they attend. Third, the conference provides an environment in which the kids can relax and interact with one another and wiggle around. There is a, there is a 
summer conference aspect of this event. But the, the conference itself will not will not hierarch would not create the hierarchy here. They would simply say that they want to allow the kids to they want to dare the kids to be Lutheran. They want to dare us to be Lutheran. To to understand what it means to be Lutheran. And to embrace that identity. And I would say that from what I've I have observed in my admittedly limited time going to higher things conferences and exploring the the work that they do the service is the focus first and foremost and why shouldn't it be the opening and closing are full divine service goddess places where god serves his people where we receive the lord's supper these are indeed the primary points everything surrounding it is beautiful but these services have no equal and truly they are what i have always remembered most about these events surrounding this the teaching comes to fill in the gaps to offer context for what's going on and to encourage the youth to understand that catechesis is not the end of education within the Lutheran Church that just because you've graduated from the first level small catechism because there's so much within the small catechism to understand you couldn't possibly get through it in two years let alone four or five or ten years there's always beauty to be mined from the simple truths that are espoused therein about scripture and and when you initially receive catechesis you don't understand that and the teaching that is provided at a higher things conference allows children to understand there's more to learn and I can learn it and these are two very very beautiful and very very important things and at a time of their lives when they want nothing more when they are sick and tired of being condescended to where where they don't want to feel like someone's having to come down to their level and and sit there as though they are incompetent they would rather have someone reach down and pull them up and ask them to uh, do a word that I'm, I'm trying to create condescend to come up with me come up with me let's let us look on the higher things let us think on higher things let us do the higher things that we can let us receive the higher things and because there will be times that in their states and at their ages they will need to get out the ability to get out is provided and it is a truly wonderful thing to surround this different activities have been provided and well 
the grunts have been offered to do the work. Tuesday evening, I, we finally got our first taste of this. Sitting around, a, I was sitting around a campfire, getting the opportunity to help some of the students make make s'mores. So just sitting down and listening to conversations on a oh, probably 80 degree night. It felt like it probably wasn't 80. It was warm though. It was very warm. We had a fire, which made it even warmer. And there I sat, tending the, my fire. Different people coming and going. Some who I knew, some who I didn't. Getting a chance to talk to a few of them about what they, what they were there for. And personally, thinking back to what I had experienced, to what had happened earlier in the day at that first divine service where we sang the opening hymn for this conference, the focus of which was Concordia. Now this is a fantastic theme, especially on the uh, year where we have the Synodical Convention. But in particular, this, uh, this hymn is good to remind us that about what unites us. This theme, this word Concordia, speaks very clearly of the Book of Concord. Right? The, the, the connection is easy to make. Right? What is it that around which you, we are united? Where charity and love prevail. In the Lutheran service book, this is hymn 845. And I'll read some of the words here. Verse 1. Where charity and love prevail, there God is ever found. Brought here together by Christ, brought here together by Christ's love, by him are we thus bound. Verse 2. With grateful joy and holy fear, his charity we learn. Let us with heart and mind and soul now love him in return. Verse 3. Forgive we now each other's faults, as we our faults confess, and let us love each other well in Christian holiness. Verse 4. Let strife among us be unknown. Let all contention cease. Be God's the glory that we seek. Be ours his holy peace. Verse 5. Let us recall that in our midst dwells Christ his only Son. As members of his body joined, we are in him made one. Verse 6. For love excludes no race or clan that names the Savior's name. His family embraces all whose Father is the same. We are united in Christ. We are united to receive the gifts that God gives us. And because of his love and his grace, so ought we 
to love and show grace to our neighbor. The, that afternoon, the children and their chaperones and the other attendees and everyone present who had been catechized in the doctrines of the Lutheran Church received the Lord's Supper, which theology I will touch on another day. And what a feast that was to surpass what I was giving them that evening in every single way. But that evening, nonetheless, we ate together. S'mores. Fantastic things. Truly a fantastic invention. American food. Through and through. That evening, after we had taken all of the work that we had done apart and prepared ourselves for the next day, we once more returned to God's word in Compline. There had been another service since the main divine service where we had received an excellent sermon and had the ability to sing more hymns, which no one will turn down, especially when you have 900 people sitting and singing confidently, because there are 899 other people singing. Why we don't sing confidently when there are fewer is a frustration of mine, but totally understandable frustration, <laughs> totally understandable action. But here at Compline, we did so in a smaller environment, preparing ourselves for the evening and the close of the day. Next morning, we all woke up and everything returned. We began with matins. During the midday, we had vespers. And in the evening, we had evening prayer. Late at night, Compline. Surrounding this were several sections of teaching and education and a few breaks for everyone to all the attendees to relax and all of us who assisted to continue to build our relationships, build our concordia together through the work that we did to ensure everyone else could do the work that they did. That evening, though, I lost my voice. I had helped out with a volleyball tournament for the kids. And let me tell you, when you're trying to keep a hundred kids in line who are all excited because of a competition, one is likely to lose one's voice or lose control. And I know that they all had a fantastic time, or not all of them, I take that back, despite a few poor sportsmen and hurt people the event was generally a success. And it is truly my regret that I was unable to know about the issue with sportsmanship and the like uh, until the end of the evening.
but that evening I lost my voice. And it hurt. It truly hurt. Uh, I don't know why, but the action of losing my voice triggered a long list of ideas that I have tried to keep within to uh, come out. A long list of pains. And they all seem to come out at once. Chief among these was the cultural misunderstanding that I had with so many of these people. And I'm sure some of them would understand where I'm coming from, but let me explain. On second thought, I'll explain another day. Uh, for, for In brief, it is that I want to be somewhere where I don't have to feel so lonely about being Lutheran and being who I am as a result of that. I, I wish to live in a place where I can be boldly Lutheran in my work environments as well as my personal home environments. And there are some people who have that opportunity. And thank God for that. That is a beautiful thing. But I have never had that. Frankly, this conference is the one opportunity I have had to experience that, and I find it a blessing as a result, but frustrating because I see people who who seem to take what they have for granted, who seem not to understand how fragile and fading the culture that they have is. And higher things itself is acting to, uh, to fight against that complacency, and I'm, I'm grateful for that, but I don't want it to ever become something that people can take for granted. I'm very, very afraid of that, because that complacency is, first, one of the things that I find most abominable about modern culture is that we are complacent about so much. And second, because that complacency is exactly what has caused higher things to be a necessary part of the maintenance of a confessional body in the church. Without it, I do not know where whether we would have the future, the bright future that I honestly see us with going forward. The hard, difficult, but shining future that I see for Lutheranism in America. A hard future, but one that will that will shine for those who come after us here and around the world.
There was great fear that I had that night. Because I couldn't interact with it. Because I couldn't participate in the things that I knew were important. As a volunteer, I didn't have time to attend much of the, of the teaching, but without my voice, I could not sing. And it was, it was great sadness to me that I couldn't. Indeed, I have not fully recovered my voice, but that was the one part of the conference that I could engage with. And I lost it. And I believe in my exhaustion or and uh, self-centeredness, I, yeah, I truly let that affect me and, and dig up much of that cultural concern and question has this fallen has they has this become complacent already and the, the very act of questioning that was was a flawed premise but it was what part of what led me down once again into sadness and yet one of the pastors who had been at our comp line came over and took for some inexplicable reason except for the fact that he is a truly fantastic pastor took two hours to stand in the hallway and talk to me about these issues that were on my mind to tell me what I could not see what I had never felt to show me the effect that this was having on the children the way that they were interacting with the education the the ability he had to answer questions on a scale that he could not in his everyday ministry to sit with these children and and let them pick his brain with anything that they thought of on a theological level whenever it popped into their heads and to, to be then strengthened in the knowledge that there were answers to their questions that they were not alone in this fight that that when their friends spoke with them they could respond confidently that it was not impossible that they could dare to be Lutheran. He shared with me this, these experiences, this power that this conference offered to him, that that community environment provided for him. An environment I am sure I would love to have not only once a year or once every few years but every week it is what I grew up with frankly because it was necessary and because my father is a good man he is a man but he is a good man and he was my pastor at home he educated me, he taught me, 
and while I was shy to ask questions, he was ever willing to provide a reasonable and measured response to them. And those who have not had that ability at home received it here. And that evening, that pastor gave me what I needed. He gave me perspective in the midst of my exhaustion and self-pity. He reminded me that it wasn't about my voice. It didn't matter whether I could sing. What mattered is that the children were hearing the gospel. And that was a beautiful thing. I spent the rest of the evening bonding with my co-teammates. And there is much I could say about that evening and the next evening. The context and conversations that I had went so far in giving me hope that I was, that I am now thoroughly surprised by that, by how, how much camaraderie there was, camaraderie, you know, as in, you know, people who, who shared the same beliefs coming together for, for the same tasks and being willing to just hang out and talk about the things that they they knew without needing the hostilities. I'm a man who's who's been who, who, who I feel like I was made for the hostilities because it is my everyday my, my it has been my everyday life. I've always been surrounded by hostilities. I've never had, or very rarely, outside of the home, had a place of common culture. And yet, those evenings, I had to them. And I'll admit, I covet it. I covet it now. Thursday was much like the previous day, except with the alteration that that day I stayed up very, very late, deep in conversation, and only only broke out of that conversation out of the out of the fear, the sad and regrettable fear that if I did not do so, the sadness that would follow the conversations. The, the misery that I would incur upon myself in engaging in such happiness would be unbearable. That to, to have gone on so happy for so long would drive me mad. Now that says something about me, doesn't it? I'm afraid of being happy. I'm afraid of being content. And no, not content. At peace. 
because I know that it always it always seems to leave. The only times I have it are with the people who I love and cherish more than anything. But so far in my life, they've always left. I've always had to go away for some reason or another. And here at last I find it. Because Friday morning I was utterly exhausted despite my best efforts. Ultimately that day was entirely built up for the closing Godestins, the closing service where we would for the last time that week receive the body and blood with the word of God. Where we would for the last time sing those hymns together. And thus we pulled out all the pomp and circumstance. We pulled out all the stops. Those who were talented, who, who could play instruments, played them. And what beautiful music they made. I will always remember. The sermon was pretty good. A little, uh, little too relevant for my liking, but it was pretty good. <laughs> Anytime you talk about smartphones in the sermon, I'm, you know, I'm an old-fashioned man, but... Then we chanted and we sang. We prayed and confessed together. And we received the body and blood of the Lord together. We had concordia. But then they left. Everyone who had arrived before that first fantastic meeting, for the first fantastic service, left. The music stopped. And everything began to unwind, and the slow feeling of dread crept into my heart. Because I knew it would be over. Thankfully, I had the opportunity that evening to spend more time with these beloved people. People who I had now grown quite close with. Because we had gone through the same things together. I had the opportunity to talk to them some more and relax with them as well. And strangely enough, share some of the experiences that I had had gone through. Some of the things that they may not have, but they would, the people they needed 
No, let me rephrase this. We watched a movie, right? <laughs> Dark and ugly movie. But there was so much in that that I had seen in the people I interacted with outside of the church. So much of that, their psyche, was captured in this film, and it was interesting to interact with them and see how they, these people that I knew and I had grown to uh, understand how they reacted to this this media. Um, one of the few 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 benefits of modern of of media as it is is that power to convey experience very powerfully and just spur discussion but but it was almost over Saturday I had to drive home Saturday I had to stay good, say goodbye I had to leave Concordia go seven mi seven hours away, seven miles, seven hours away to my dinky little town, my small little church where the organ's still under construction, where the youth consists of two families, three families, where the pastor's slightly off-key, where the piano's slightly off-key, where we don't have anybody with a violin, let alone a timpani. And even if we did, we would not have the voices to drown them out. I had to leave a place where I was happy for a time. People who provided the comfort that I have so long sought, who eased so many of the woes that burden me. who I would have been willing to help in whatever they wanted to do, anything that they would have been willing to do, I would do with them. Just to do it, just to be there and have that community. And I had to leave. and drive alone with the words of that hymn or not the words, the tune of that hymn, that final hymn echoing in my mind the echo of that glorious experience sitting there reminding me of everything I had done everything that I had received Reminding me that I may never get the chance to have that.
and reminding me that maybe that didn't matter. But that is a hard thing to say. That even if I have no more chance, no, uh, let me rephrase that, I'm speaking archaically, even if I don't get the chance to experience that again, if for some reason I can't attend a conference like that again and I'm stuck with my small little church town, church in town with its off-key singing and quiet people, I will still be having Concordia with everyone there as long as they are living every Sunday when I go to church. But it won't feel like it. It won't feel like it, and, and, and I will still have to leave. In truth, the, the week was a microcosm of the service itself. A beautiful moment set apart from everyday life where I was pulled away from the cares and worries of my everyday busyness and taken to some place where even though I was not ever really truly comfortable I was given a great gift from which I then had to return to the world and hope that the gift I was given would echo into the rest of my life. But now I am alone, sitting here in my apartment, on my own. And that is why I am sad. I am sad because the people who I had the pleasure of meeting there filled me with joy, with peace, happiness. The kind that I don't receive from coworkers. I often don't receive from the people at my church. They were willing to sit and listen. They were willing to talk to me. But they, most importantly, had that bond. that common confession, that common faith. We could speak on, on the higher things and be not afraid. And with a few of them, a very select few, even the, thing, the things that I had found on my own, the, the, the things I loved, they, they knew the music, the uh, explorations of, of different topics and different ideas, the, the cultural battles, they knew these things. 
for privacy's sake, I will say no more, but I had to leave. But Concordia remains. I truly hope I have the opportunity to continue interacting with people like them or find people like them to talk with or speak with. And if I don't, if I should somehow be cursed to live alone forever, I can always cherish that memory and the knowledge that I will see them again in the resurrection at the very least. But I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to endure that because that sounds hard. And I don't like hard things. Of course I don't. I'm an American. Unless I'm with other people, then the hard things become easier than anything else in the world. And so, I am grateful that I am not alone. No nego solus. I've spoken with them, and I know that I'm not crazy. I know that I'm not the only one who feels this way, who loves and desires this community, who wants to experience it more, to grow it and nurture it, to build it up. If I'm not alone, then maybe there is good reason to hold on to that hope. Perhaps I will find that place from which I will not have to leave the ones I cherish, or more accurately, the people to cherish who I will never have to leave. It is my prayer that I may, but until then, I will count it enough that I am not alone because of you, listener, whoever you may be. One single person willing to hear my ramblings. We are not alone. And should you not even be there? Should you not even be there, I truly am not alone. Because the true hope doesn't even lie in that. It doesn't even lie in my knowledge that the people who I met are near, are there. It lies in the fact that I know there will come an end to this loneliness. There will come a day when I will no longer have to feel 
the gap between myself and others. Because Christ shall return. He did come into human form, in the form of a man. He was made man. He suffered, he died, he was buried, he rose again the third day and ascended into heaven. And on the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. And what concordia we will have then. What a beautiful concordia. Until then, here are the final stanzas, the last four stanzas of the hymn that I began this podcast with the theme of next year's conference water blood and spirit crying lutheran service book 597 verse 2 in a watery grave are buried all our sins that jesus carried christ the ark of life has ferried us across death's raging flood Verse 3. Dark the way, yet Christ precedes us. Past the scowl of death he leads us, spreads a table where he feeds us with his body and his blood. Verse 4. Though around us death is seething, God his two-edged sword unsheathing, by his spirit life is breathing through the living active word. And verse 5, spirit, water, blood, entreating, working faith, and its completing in the one whose death-defeating life has come with life for all. Around this concordia, around this unity, around this I know I am not alone. And so even though I am indeed sad and will indeed continue to mourn the loneliness that I feel here, I know it does not matter in the end that I have one who will wipe away every tear on that day who will bring me to new life where I will see the faithful who I joined with this past week. I have one by whose grace alone I did see them. And I truly hope that by his grace it will not be the end of days when I shall see them again. When they shall again be there to fill my heart with joy and peace. 
not in they themselves. Although, not only, <laughs> not only in they themselves, but also in the knowledge of the comfort of the fellowship they provide. Thank you all. No. Thank you whoever has had the patience to sit through this with me. I hope to speak further on other issues in the future. So if you enjoyed this, please let me know. If you didn't, I'd love to talk to you about it. And if you consider that this is something of value, I'd ask you to uh, let other people know so I can eventually find the people who disagree, who I am so comfortable with, and may learn from them how to improve if they have any improvements of value to provide. For now, I'm going to close out with a single piece, with a piece of the Table of Duties to youth. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. God's peace be with you all. Amen.